So we're going to beam on over to expert host Keith M. Cedar. Okay, so while we've been playing mind tricks on each other, I, I had to ask this expert host, what villains are the highest ranked in this never-ending saga? Which ones stole the show because they were proper writing? They were worthy of the crew outsmarting them. They were more than just a famous actor doing a stunt casting, you know, and hamming it up. There was something about it, these particular selected villains that were worthy of the Roddenberry franchise. Do you want to do a count up and start with the ones people want to hear? Or do you want to do a countdown? I want your end, take. We, I don't end with, we end with the best. Just your take, my dude. Just, just your take. Just the ones that stay with you. They don't have to be in a top 250. Right, well, let, let's, let's, let's just go right for the big get and get him out of the way. It's called build up. Um, <laughs> We're not, we'll build up anything. You know what? We'll fill this in with a lot of good commentary, but let's just get Khan out of the way, all right? Because he's the one everybody <laughs> thinks of. Here's the thing, and I'll tell you about Khan, why the story works so well, and I'll, as a side note, interject why the 2000... Uh, JJ, the 2000, what was it? 11? 12? Either, either way, JJ Abrams, universe, Star Trek yeah. Into Darkness was yeah. such utter schlock. <laughs> Number one, Benedict Cumberbatch could not pass off as Indian. You know, no. the guy the guy mints money. That's why he got hired for the job. And he's a great actor. Yeah, just don't hire people who make homages and hire people who make actual movies. That's what yeah. this, the but, franchise needs. Yeah, no more the, Jar Jar Abrams. So the fundamentals of the con story is that here he is he's this genetically engineered superman who escaped earth in the 1990s 1996 to be specific as they told it in 1966 mm -hmm. um with a cadre of fellow genetically engineered supermen because they were overthrown as they were trying to take over the earth yeah and they didn't have any type of warp drive so they were in a sleeper ship Captain Kirk finds them almost 300 years later and with his superior ambition and intellect tries to take over the Enterprise and kill Captain Kirk. Well, Kirk being Kirk, that's not going to happen. I mean, we're talking about the, the guy who can talk a computer to death, <laughs> rests control back from Khan and takes his ship back in a nutshell. If you want to see the story, if you haven't already, which I'm sure you have, go and rewatch the original series episode space seed there now go. taking Khan to the next level <laughs> is star trek to the wrath of Khan. and go. you can't start the con story with star trek to the wrath of Khan, even though his name is in the title you have to start with space seed when kirk and Khan are both younger guys because what kirk does is quite magnanimous he actually says, hey, we're going to be passing by this planet that's uninhabited, and uh, I could either take you for court-martial, or I could drop you off here, and you have a go of it and figure out what you can make. Oh, I'm your bloodsucker. <laughs> right? Now, of course, Kirk doesn't know the planet's the, planet, the next planet in the solar system is going to explode and shift the orbit of this one, laying it to waste. But 15 years go by, Kirk is the only captain to have completed his five-year mission without losing his ship, his crew, or, you know, himself. 
He gets promoted to admiral, but he's not a desk job type of guy. So by the time we get 15 years later to this movie in 1982, he's in his early 50s. He's feeling older and he doesn't have his act together as far as knowing what his place in the world is anymore. And he's feeling really displaced. Mm -hmm. Well, as luck would have it, he winds up coming face to face. And here's an irony of the movie. He doesn't actually come physically face to face, only on the view screen. The irony of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is, is that while Kirk and Khan fought in hand-to-hand combat in Space Seed, they never come face to face other than on a view screen in right. The Wrath of Khan. And, and plus Khan is the type of villain. Khan is very, very layered and multidimensional. You know, in yeah. any good story, the villain doesn't think he's the villain. He thinks he's the he's protagonist. Been he thinks he wants revenge. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he his planet was laid wasted. His wife was killed by these indigenous creatures. You know, there's nothing here. Kirk never came to check on him. You know, he's been doing this slow burn for 15 years, and he was already a couple sandwiches short of a picnic lunch to begin with as far as being wrapped really tightly. And now you come 15 years later, he's just sitting here in the, in the, in the sand going, what the hell? You know, now all of a sudden, oh, a Starfleet ship shows up? Yeah. Here's Time my to get opportunity. Yep. Exactly. He so. was Hans Gruber before it was cool. Um, but that's a good way. That's a good way of putting it. Because literally, you watch the original Wrath of Khan movie. It's practically Die Hard in space before they were doing that with first yeah. contact and all the even next episodes. And, and the original title of Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan was Star Trek II: The Vengeance of Khan. The Vengeance. So much and the like... reason why they changed <laughs> the title was because that is when Revenge of the Jedi there was in production. Yeah. And so before George Lucas said, oh, well, the Jedi wouldn't get revenge, they would they would come back. They would, it would be the <laughs> return of the Jedi. Harv Bennett said, you know what, we need to change this from vengeance because it sounds too much like the next Star Wars movie, which would have been revenge. Um, so we went to the Wrath of Even God. though we're using but, their effects company. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And but the interesting thing is, you know, with Wrath, now we're talking directly about one of the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. So bingo. So Kirk's imperfect, but he he doesn't have anywhere near the amount of sins that Khan's <laughs> got in his closet. But and, and, and he's he, not genetically modified either, so he has that for him. That's true. Yeah, unlike some of his other people who are expanded upon an enterprise, who are basically super soldiers, he's like pretty pure, muscular, yeah, and so just what, ready what to you, fucking die. Tell me who you think a significant villain is right off the top of your head. Oh, man. I <laughs> So we went through a bunch of them. We went through uh, General Chang and Undiscovered Country, Rafo and Insurrection. And of course, well, don't don't um, don't think we have to stay just with the movies because, you know, no, I, did, I didn't all of like, TV to draw from there. No, we, we, we went through the various one off characters like the one time traveler on next gen played by max headroom we went through the various androids and guys starting a coup on voyager we went okay, with... the character's name was Russ munson and he was from i New know Jersey. i can't name them all but <laughs> <laughs> uh but, uh, but is, since you want me on the spot anyone that comes close to con is definitely gold Dakot in k win really in kai win yeah huh the original character the, the or as various well, you know Lu- louise fletcher 
is kind of the actor to really portray a villain. I mean, yeah. even before they went down this whole paw race Cuckoo's path nest, yeah. with, Duc- with Ducat, and Ducat wasn't even in the picture, she was really, really an antagonist to Ben Sisko. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they, they really built that character. They sugarcoated at first because they know? just wanted the political she's politician kind of like, don't She's kind of like the yeah. Star Trek version religious zealot, even though Marjorie Taylor Greene's not a religious zealot. <laughs> she's, she's that kind of nut guy. With oh, yeah. If anything, <laughs> well, in season one, she's basically Marjorie Taylor Greene. By the end of the run, she's basically Lauren Bobart. Where she's just oh, like, there you go. She's yeah, like, well, done. I, I never said that. Yes, you did. Oh well, I don't think I said it. Yes, you did. Yeah, uh, there was a hysterical meme if you can look up uh, where they say K Win sounds too much like Karen. What's well, actually Kai? The, the 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 religious term on Bejor is not K. It's Kai. Kai Kai Win sounds Kai like Wynn. Karen. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So so the same, much the same way that they would have priests and um, I'm trying to think. What in uh, <laughs> human religions they'd have, but uh, yeah. they had they had uh, Kai, and then the step down was like was called a Vedic. A Vedic, yes, the Vedics are basically the ones who they shit all over. And basically, <laughs> it was like, take the, it was, it was like the lieutenant. How, but, however, uh, the villain chooses to abuse them because you know, you, you know how it is, as yeah. you already pointed out. the The thing about these villains is they are Roddenberry's and companies, even Ronald D. Moore. Especially when he gets to Galactica, he carries a lot of these themes from DS9 over where always question whoever's in control, whoever's in mm-hmm. power. Just because they're appointed doesn't mean they're sane. And it's just so much fun to just kind of how all the villains pretty much become either Section 31, you know, renegades, <laughs> or they're just other tyrants that are even deadlier than a typical TOS or TNG character. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was funny when they tried to uh, recruit Dr. Bashir into Section 31. I'm like, yeah, this guy's not Section 31 material. Oh, well, that's just it. It's like now, they now, kept recruiting now, him. So now just... Brad Boimler is, or is it William Boimler? <laughs> are, are, you, are you watching Star Trek Lower Decks? I, I I did see that. I didn't think of that, but that that's there are definitely some <laughs> questionable characters that we could definitely <laughs> yeah. take from lower decks. Um, <laughs> another one that I think is really relevant um is Soren from uh mm-hmm. Generations. Wait, we you know, we I was gonna Malcolm mention McDowell him. is yeah. really, really multifaceted. I mean, you look at him play H.G. Wells in the 1979 Time After time Time, after time yeah. with um, who's the guy who played uh, David Warner. You know, you look at him play opposite David Warner in Time After Time, and he plays this mild, meek, gentle, <laughs> introspective, thoughtful H.G. Wells versus the maniacal hair only, <laughs> only about my mission guy he plays as Soren. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a night and day difference, and it really shows the spectrum of his abilities as an actor. Do you think Nicholas um, Meyer put in a word for him, even though he had nothing to do with the seventh movie? So it seems like if you worked with any of I these mean, guys, they ended up on the track. Always that, there's always that possibility, Cam. I, I couldn't say one <laughs> way or another whether it did or it didn't. But uh, it, it's funny. For as much praise as Nicholas Meyer gets for Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, and the undiscovered country. Mm-hmm. I 
don't love Star Trek Six. You know, no, it's fine. I mean, the, I mean as fun. far as the as far as the original series crews um, movies go, I love the trilogy that is two, three, and four. But you know, <laughs> I, I think Star Trek Six is only made marginally better by the existence of Star Trek Five. Let's find Jesus. You know, right? I, although I did jokingly put in god and spock's brother because i mean okay well there you go they're they're basically bad guys which are (laughs) perfect examination it's just like many basically star trek 5 is a canon film it's like it's well intended it should be shot out of one exactly it's got (laughs) it just happened to they just had to hire someone who wasn't capable of telling any kind of concise story the, 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 the fact of the matter is is that shatner directed it and while Shatner is an entertaining actor, he I don't know that. that he's got directorial chops. Well, he didn't even take when, responsibility when, when, for it. When Leonard Nimoy directed Star Trek Three, because <laughs> Spock was dead, and there right. was a way to have him involved in it before they brought exactly. him back. Exactly, and you get um, you make way and then, more. And, but then he did such a good job with it; they gave him Star Trek Four. Yeah. While they were negotiating everything, because. Um, Shatner wanted to direct Star Trek Four, but they the studio wanted Nimoy. Um, mm-hmm. In order for Shatner to agree to come back, they had to agree to give him a movie to direct, which yeah. is Star Trek Five. Goddamn, goes. We're, we're, we're off topic here. Um, <laughs> no, I'm that's gonna, fine. I'm I'm going to do a deep dive here, and this is for our our Trek purists. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Voyager, Anorak. Yeah, we mentioned him. He was a very cool he dude. Did, from the Year of Hell. Yes, uh, with Kurtwood Smith. I'm, uh, Kurtwood Smith, I love him. He's such a great actor. He he did a show called Worst Week. It was about <laughs> his um, soon-to-be son-in-law um, during the week, I think, prior to their wedding. The whole show takes place in the week prior to the, he, he's going to marry Kurtwood Smith's daughter. Um, and so this, the future son-in-law is having his worst week. Uh, but he just plays such a good unintentional antagonist to this young guy. Um, <laughs> if you ever get to see Worst Week, it's really, really good. Um, I think you probably pick it up on Amazon. On, uh, on uh, yeah, no, I heard of it I just on, on the cheap. But um, yeah, I think he is so determined to set time straight, and at the same time put an equal amount of effort into thwarting and subverting Captain Janeway at every turn. Um, the only disappointment I really have in that episode, that two-parter episode, is that that <laughs> could have, that had the potential for a much longer story arc. I mean, you could have literally taken that whole season and made it the year of hell. I would have definitely preferred that. that instead uh, of just going back to, you know, Who's you taking would, over you, the ship? You would have or would have not. You would not have liked that. No, I told it. I'm with you. I would have preferred it too. I because it was so powerful as a two parter. There's no denying it would have probably worked had we just not had Jerry Taylor and Brandon Braga trying to overwrite each other and Berman not insisting it be syndication. Hey, listen, I will never, ever say a bad word about Berman Braga or Taylor. When I mean, not that I would have before, but especially in contrast to what 21st century Trek writers are doing. Who's a good villain that I really, really liked? Hit me. Michael and Sarah as Kang in the Star Trek original series episode, Day of the Dove. Basically, 
The Enterprise gets a distress signal. They beam down to this planet where they think there's supposed to be a star base and or a colony, mm. and it's gone. Not even uh, not even any uh, trace of it. And then the Klingons beam down, uh, basically thinking the same thing. And there's this malevolent entity which radiates hostility, and it <laughs> thrives when whoever it gets to fight near it because it thrives on the negative energy. And mm. so basically that it winds up blowing up the Klingon ship. The Klingons come aboard the enterprise and they're just going to endlessly fight feeding hostility and negative emotions for this entity until the enterprise crew realizes it. And he has to convince Kang, the captain of the Klingons yep. to um, cease hostilities as he puts it. Um, so that they don't all continue to kill themselves as they it's really the cool seeing them you know they already were a little insecure about learning the klingon language versus english with the, amongst each other but now that they're having to like flat out communicate and say hey hang outside your damn heads for one minute this is not uh -huh. what you think it is <laughs> it's just amazing how they play into that and again, it's another fun under siege episode where an unusual supernatural entity is holding the ship hostage. They're having to flat out work together and they don't want to work together because they got to flat out solve all the other disputes on each deck where crew members are running rampant. <laughs> mm -hmm. But actually, real quick, I, I can't believe I almost forgot this in all the conversations that I've had. Um, it's literally one of my favorite Star Trek movies. And I said I didn't want to spend all our time on the Star Trek movies, but it's fine. Say what you Christopher want. Lloyd as Krug. Yeah. Oh, I mean, masterful. I mean, I watched a comedian once talk about uh, the fact that it was, it was Kevin Pollock, I think it was. He <laughs> talked about how he didn't realize that uh, it was Christopher Lloyd playing Commander Krug under all, so the head, all the under all the prosthetics and heavy makeup. He says, he starts talking, you know, the first half of the movie, he's talking only in Klingon with, with subtitles. Um, <laughs> and then he confronts Captain Kirk and you, all you hear is Reverend Jim from Taxi. Captain Kirk, you <laughs> don't want to give me the Genesis device? Okie doke. <laughs> but um, that's yeah, he, pretty much it. And plus the immortal, you know, even before you get to the immortal Kirk line, I mean, just him giving the captain a total ass whooping, and then, <laughs> and then it's just so weird because when you first see him, you just don't really know what to think. You think, oh, is he just going to be a typical Klingon like in the two dimensional? You know, is, yeah. he gonna look, is he going to look like the bad guy? Is he going to be a placeholder for the bad guy, or is he going to be actually a bad guy? Is he just going to be a typical idiot who they knock out? And yeah, like is he just going to be a black hat? You know, to I, represent. That totally little, a henchman who's gonna yeah. who somehow became captain of his ship is like no yeah. it's a little bit of that and more but then when he like flat out like executes one of his members of his ship who's failed him and then it gets even wackier when he's just like he doesn't even ask for any more questions he's like resume <laughs> yeah. get up here get your ass up here start piloting <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even wait for them to breathe and it's just even funnier seeing the members of his crew are supposed to be all heroic like you know they're always almost always portrayed as Vikings or samurai equivalent. And here sure. they're like, 
they're having to rush they're having to get their ass to mars you know total recall style they're like okay well whatever he says don't don't have time to gloat over who's just been been dishonorably murdered by our captain we gotta <laughs> we gotta go and fucking as long as it wasn't me it wasn't me <laughs> fun fact uh the guy he executes is david cadiente who is a well was a pretty well-known stuntman back in his day that's like his best known role but it's interesting too how his son jeff cadiente became the stunt coordinator on ds9 really i did yep. not know that he well, jeff is amazing he has done dying I, I i just i just think of that scene where he's like <laughs> Tomapu, meaning uh you idiot i wanted prisoners right. ah, a lucky <laughs> shot sir <laughs> blows him out of the water there you go it doesn't even wait for animal <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm astonished at the level of Klingon I know because that just says how many times I've watched these movies. Because I don't know conversational Klingon, uh, unlike the Mark Okrand uh, novel, which was uh, worked on. The Klingon language was actually worked on with um, Mark Leonard, who helped. Uh, I remember with, that with, him with, 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 with Scotty Duhan. Yeah. Yep. So unheard of is like, but that's dedication. That's actors with too much. Not only yeah. commitment and free time, but who want to build the world that they've fallen in love with. That's great. It's funny. There is a foreign language app that my family uses because we'll be doing some traveling this year. Duolingo. Duolingo, yes. And Klingon. I, I always know there. when someone's playing it. I haven't done that. I mean, right now I'm just focusing on Spanish and French because we're going to be in Europe this year. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I did some of the Gaelic and I'm just like, yeah, I, I could tell that I've been exposed to Spanish and French my whole life. Cause I get what they're trying to say. Even if I'm learning new words, the Gaelic, which I've never done before. My mother-in-law's from Ireland. Um, the Gaelic, it was just like, Oh my God, this is beyond foreign. This is hurting my brain. <laughs> yeah. But Duol Duolingo does a good job. Does it have a Klingon Adam? Yeah. That would be amazing. I'm, yeah. And uh, I kind of got the gist of that. I mean, kind of like how I always felt like the elves in both the books and movie and even the show of Lord of the Rings were kind of like Vulcans, the whole pointy ear. Really? Just... Well, it's well, like watching, have you seen Leonard Nimoy do uh, Bilbo the Baggins? The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins, yeah. It's oh. it's just like when Shatner you, sings. You, you, can't un you can't unsee that. I know, but when you grow up with cheesy bad movies it's hysterical i mean i'd almost rather want to see shatter do the spoken word of lucy in the sky with diamonds than that which is saying something pick I, your poison yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly to, He's to got expect that? one to always order poison in a bar is not logical it is most illogical but that's kind of what we're getting either way it's shit you did, you did get my star trek 3 reference there right he says poison yeah, so so okay. Dr. McCoy, it's the beginning of Star Trek 3. Dr. McCoy is on Earth looking to get a uh, shuttle to the Genesis planet. And the waitress who knows Dr. McCoy, but he's got Spock's contra in him. Well, you know, now you got to say it like... It's basically Spock. half Spock. He, he goes, <laughs> and she goes, oh, hi, Doc. It's been a long time. What's your poison? <laughs> to expect there you to go. poison in the bars. Not logical. Oh. <laughs> yeah, okay someone who's seen it one too many times okay <laughs> oh i, I know what she says she says what's your poison she goes, no i'm still saying it wrong and i should know this she it's asked me she, have, she says i want all tear water she goes that's not your usual poison 
to expect one to order poison oh the bars. He says for the third time. The third fucking it, time. It's late as we record this. Hey, third time's the charm. There you go. Okay, so <laughs> I, I have said so many on the other episode. I I don't have any other ones that close this out, but Soren's a good start. Um, and yeah, Christopher Lloyd as the Klingon commander in part three. Um, yep. And it's Krug or is it Krug? Krug. Krug. <laughs> and he just like, belts very, it out very, when he's very, saying very that. Very German sounding. Right. But so now this is interesting how we've talked about all these different cultures. And again, they don't exist. They're it's in all these. It's so hard to talk about Star Trek without going out, coloring outside the lines and talking about other elements of it. It's going to happen because they're mirroring not only social commentary in real life, but then they're also mirroring other fantasies, other fictional realms. Like without Blade Runner, you pretty much don't get data on Star Trek. But then some of these other ones. Why is Brent Spiner in Blade Runner? No, it's just very similar with the cerebral cortex of the cyberpunk oh, okay. aspect of androids. Interesting. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I, I know they've got what do they call them? Um, replicants. Variants. Oh, replicants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew um, there was something like that. But yeah, I know that, that they're supposed to be like similar or modeled after humans. Ro- basically, not. Roy Beatty in that Rutger Howard's villain is basically lore. <laughs> oh okay so but i mean if you've seen battlestar galactica you kind of have already seen a little bit of blade runner because it's a lot yeah rutger hauer was the consummate bad guy in the 80s yeah he rules man <laughs> he did rule wait wait, wait 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 what year were you born i i i, I know how old you are but how how, how i was born, born in the 90s but i watched plenty of 80s movies i TV. know but you didn't see them when they were fresh, when they were new, you didn't go to the theater to see them. You don't have I, to go to the theater to appreciate the movie. No, I, I I get that, but there's something about it being like, oh, this brand new thing is out. There's that versus okay, now it's a cult classic. Well, I'll put it to you this it. way: without Blade Runner, I wouldn't give a shit about detective movies or novels. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> that is Harrison Ford's best role. I'll even go there. <laughs> now. I want to see Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049 notwithstanding, but do you think the original or the director's cut is the one that somebody who's never seen it should go see? You should watch all five versions of it and make your own mind. You know, it's like it's like if you watch Superman 2, do you want to watch the original theatrical version or the Jack Donner version? It's not like that. It's not like Waterworld where I get more story development versus more action. Oh, I... I, I I, I wouldn't give you a wooden nickel for Waterworld, and I never saw that one either. It's a good movie. Okay. But it's hated because I, I, like I Kevin like, I like Kevin Costner. He, I was on the set of his uh, baseball movie, um, For Love of the Draft Game. Draft Day? So I take no, it you No, met... no, For Love of the Game. Oh. Um, but uh, that one, Draft Day, I love. That's, that one's about football. This one was about baseball. Yeah, my bad. But <laughs> I, different. He's I, done so many I, I was an extra in that movie, too. <laughs> But unlike Jingle All the Way, um, for love of the game, whatever footage I was in, because I actually talked to Kevin Costner briefly uh, in between takes, um, but whatever scene I shot with him wound up on the cutting room floor because <laughs> I watched the movie, I was nowhere to be seen. And you're like, why did they fucking film it? I don't know if I thought that or just like, oh, man. You're happy to see it, but it does get I was like, listen, I, w- I was happy for as much coverage as i got in jingle all the way because in addition to the scene 
with the angry moms uh, you know, <laughs> smacking with their pocketbooks. There's a scene immediately following that where he's talking to the mall Santa and there's extras off in the distance recycling in the background. Yep. I'm seeing there. I mean, literally between the carrying the wrapping paper uh, when he goes, I'm not the pervert. <laughs> and when he's talking to the mall Santa, I probably have like a grand total of three and a half seconds of screen time on three <laughs> different appearances that I'm there. So each one's like a second to a second and a half, but I'm grateful to have them. But I'm glad that you did the extra <laughs> experience. I'm yeah. glad you did it because much like when we watch all these same reused bridge crew who actually have names and a featured line of dialogue yeah, and recurring right? extras. I mean, I ended up observing it on all these other shows and it's even funnier when you see someone else who's not credited and then it, having to get the gist of filmmaking as a whole is like, I don't know, I'm expecting a boom mic to drop into the shot randomly. <laughs> and I didn't see that guy's face. So he's probably got a $50 extra and they hired a professional, you know, voice actor to do the right. help me, help me. My car's on fire. You know, it's always funny how doing the experience gets you in it. Now, you know, all the terminology, you know what an Apple card is for sure. someone to stand on, you know, second unit. Growing up, boom. you're like, what the fuck boom is mic. that? Boom yeah, mic. Boom mic. We, got a, we got a boom mic. We'll fix it in post. No, we won't. I'd say that now just editing podcasts. Yeah, podcast gives us an even more appreciation <laughs> of audio dramas that we grew up listening to, all this shit that sure. we don't want to deal with, but we know it better than theater anyone. Of the, so, theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. And the mind is a dangerous place to be, especially oh. if it's Jordy's mind. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I take it you've seen that Family Guy episode where they make fun of that, and they're like, "His vision is from Who roots." That's so <laughs> meta. I was like, "That is creepy. Don't do that again." Just a bit. Oh man. Yeah. So, whose mind would you not want? Would you prefer to be trapped in? Kirk or Data's? It's going to get weird um, either way. Yeah. Well, in Kirk's I mean, mind, I, you're going to be the guy least... fighting. At least with data, it would be a little more innocuous and pure. You never know what's going on in Kirk's mind. Yeah, Kirk, you're pretty much yeah. going to be the guy who he's beating up for the girl. <laughs> it's a Western. It's a Gary Cooper slugfest. So it's going to, you you, you'll either get killed, but it won't be with any intent. It's just going to be, well, I guess everyone died in this disturbing vision he had in this spot. <laughs> At least you get to pet a cat. So, yeah. Oh boy. You're not a fan of cats. Okay, sorry. We'll make it <laughs> dogs. <laughs> no, it's just I don't care either way. Just you know. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Um now you should say that uh Spock style. This is most illogical. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so what can we promote here on your show? What can we pimp out on the track spurts that um, well, there are two primary shows. I, I am the Apple and Mac pundit on a nationally syndicated radio show called Computer Talk Radio, uh, yeah. hosted by Benjamin Rockwell. Um, uh, so I'm literally on that show like eight to ten minutes a week. It's a two-hour show. You still got pour uh, the, the milk. But, but the yeah, I do have that. But the interesting thing about Computer Talk Radio is that it's not just a podcast. It actually is a terrestrial radio show. Mm -hmm. which is broadcast on 15 different radio stations around the country. But if you're in a market that doesn't happen to get it, you can also listen to it as a podcast. 
And it was nice. with my producer, who's in L.A., Benjamin Rockwell, um, that we kind of hit it off and started talking about all kinds of nerdy, fun topics. We spun off the Computer Talk Radio Nerdcast, which spawned the Trexperts Roundtable, because we were just talking about just Star Trek. <laughs> um, I found a couple other people um, who feel similarly to the way we do. And then... <laughs> Benjamin is what I refer to as my serial foil. He is the one person on the Just Pour the Milk podcast yep. that does not like pre-sweetened cereal. Um, so the rest <laughs> of the rest of the show is all adults, late forties, early fifties, who grew up during the golden age of cereal in the seventies and eighties, when we'd have a bowl of cereal what is golden? with our Saturday morning <laughs> cartoons, and then um, we have Benjamin on because we'll make him eat the same cereal, but it's hilarious because he doesn't have this fond nostalgia for it. He's like, oh my God, I got diabetes just from smelling the box, you know, so he's hilarious. We call him our cereal foil. Yeah. Uh, but there are new episodes. The cereal cereals. <laughs> you're right. Of the Trexperts Roundtable podcast and the Just Pour the Milk podcast coming soon. Sweet, sweet. Cough's <clears throat> not included. Say that again? Coughs not included. I'm missing that. What's not included? Coughs not included. This is what oh. I'm about <laughs> that, that's, why we, that's why we have a mute button on the microphone. Oh. <laughs> Happens anyway, when I talk too much. We all do. That's the fun of it. And then we yeah. get to decide, like a director on our newest blockbuster, what stays in and what's too much. There you go. <laughs> what's a delete? What's a leftover blooper social so we talked for quite a while cam how much do you edit out on on an average basis oh there's gonna be two separate episodes we'll do the legendary star trek versus wars and lord of the rings redux and then i'll mix in your takes for the villains (laughs) oh perfect i look forward to seeing that didn't plan on recording two episodes with you but it'll be good Dude, although I do want, I do want to talk to you about the Muppets when you're ready to record that episode. I, I promise we will do, a, but but it's going to be like a, the whole Jim Henson ranking. So you can put in, hey, this era of Sesame Street, you know, five out of five. This era of Sesame Labyrinth. Street, yeah, Labyrinth. You can put in as overrated. I personally am not crazy about Dark Crystal, so I'll put that in overrated. Oh, mode. you know, like the Dark Crystal. Yeah, I like Labyrinth. I but... never, I never got around to seeing the series, but I the, love the show is that good. Movie. Ironically, is it really? Really? Uh, okay. If you like, again, just the still practical. I mean, stuff. just everything they go through, just real quick, everything they go through to get to the end of that movie and all the, the Skeksis and the the wise ones. Um, what do they call it? The wise ones? There's the Skeksis were the creepy looking ones. Uh, and now then, I will have to rewatch it. Now. <laughs> you know, and then, and then uh, Kira. I don't hate it. It's Kira just lies, a little slow. Kira lies dying and she's like, Heal the crystal gen. And he takes the shard and jams it in, and everything just the lights go everywhere. It's great. I love it. But that, it's, but that's what I'm talking about. That movie came out in what '82 when I was like, like 14. fourteen, mm-hmm. and I saw it in the theater first run. <laughs> so you know, it, it, it's a different era. We talk about we talk about stuff like that. Well, but that's the beauty of Jim Henson is like going through the maze of just classic when TV was live. There was yep. no, and you know, there was a repeat at eight or whatever. And then yep. deciding which of the Disney, you know, post Disney era was decent and which ones were just schlocky. I'm, yes, I'm still in your word. Um, <laughs> cash-ins. Like, it's all fucking, good. Uh, like, much like those new Star Wars movies, I fucking hate those new Muppet movies. I was just like, I can clearly see the green screen. 
there's no life. There's no investment in this. And the music numbers really don't have anything to do with the plot. So why am I watching this? Jim Henson worked when, again, the music was fourth wall breaking and it drove the story forward. If you just have a music number and jokes and they don't amount to the actual main plot A or plot B, why am I watching it? And so many people, I mean, you've done it many times on Tracksports, but I really do wish people would have more conversations on style versus substance. Absolutely. 100%. Is the matrix. I could not agree with you more, Cam. Well, and especially when you get to a post-matrix era, how much of it is style and zero substance and how much of it is substance, but it's got a style and how much Mm -hmm. of it is just Fast and Furious where we don't care. And we're going what to go through like, five what, what are they tones. up to now? Like nine, ten movies that well, that franchise? And then to I mean, they might as well be a hundred movies because each movie feels like six different movies stapled together. I've never seen one of them. You you should well, you basically already did if you saw Star Trek Beyond. That's a fast and furious ship oh, show. Oh wow, sick burn. See what I went there? But it is funny because I see so many people who are driven crazy by it and they'll still go see it. Yeah. And then I see people like my sister who don't like any other kinds of action movies like that, but they'll still see that. So it's just nope. mind blowing how kind of when you get into different sci-fi, fantasy, even horror guys, yeah, how they make an exception to this versus that. And it's like, well, but they're kind of all part of the same dog shit that you want to avoid. So why is this different from that? And <laughs> I, d- I can't do it because it's tone shift. Yeah, One minute it's camp, the next minute it's serious, the next minute... It's who gives a shit. I'm like, well, yeah. why do I give a shit? Well, and that is our show tonight. And please, everyone, follow Keith on the social medias, all the other platforms, all his other shows with the Axonar crew. Yeah, you you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at Trexperts or uh, if you're into cereal uh, at Just Pour the Milk. Also on. Um, <laughs> Instagram, but the big places are in your podcast feed, uh, mostly on Apple Music, but pretty much anywhere fine podcasts are served. You can listen to the Trexperts Roundtable and also Just Pour the Milk. I hope you If hope we you really there. wanted to, we could have included plenty of other villains, plenty of others from DS9 and Voyager, plenty of others from even Axanar and of Gods and Men, but we decided to just go for the big ones, the right yep. in the kisser ones. So. There you go. We were, we were on the nose tonight. On the nose. One nose to beam up. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's Breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. (laughs) Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as... 
Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.